Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome in, Hokies fans, to this edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast. We record on Monday, March 21st, and it was a tough weekend, Hokies fans, but don't worry, we're here for you. We're going to talk it out. Go through the two men's basketball and women's basketball losses in the NCAA tournament. We'll go through the wrestling NCAA tournament as well. Hokies with three All-Americans. And then a bright spot on the Diamond Softball and Baseball, both winning ACC series in Blacksburg this weekend. All of that and much more coming up on episode 230 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, which starts right now. We welcome you into episode 230 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, however you're taking it in, whether that's on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or on our YouTube channel. If you are on YouTube, be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and turn notifications on. That way, you know when we go live with the podcast every week. As always, the Tech Sideline Podcast brought to you by the Southeast Regional Training Center. Mentioned Hokies had three All-Americans at Nationals this weekend. Also finished eighth in the team t- in the team rankings as well. You can help support Hokie Wrestling and bring Olympic hopefuls to Blacksburg. Be sure to visit southeastrtc.com to learn more and donate today. We talked about it uh, before we came on air that this was, it's been an alternating thing. Happy podcast, not so happy For podcast. Like the last month, yeah. <laughs> today, obviously, not so happy podcast, but we've got a great crew on set. Will Stewart, founder and general manager of techsideline.com. Across the way, Chris Coleman to my right, lead analyst and columnist of Tech Sideline. Nick Brown back in the fourth chair today. Behind the scenes, Malcolm Stewart, best podcast producer in the land. And I'm Jake Lyman, your podcast host. Again, this is like a therapy session for everybody listening today. Uh, Oh, and it's going to include a rant about the refs. (laughs) Yes, I'm sure we're going to be everybody's favorite topics. We're going to talk about refs. We're going to talk about rule changes. We're going to talk about all of that. I'm sure everybody's excited. Chris? Yeah, uh, the real <laughs> reason we lost the game is because Will watched the game in Champs with me. You know, the, <laughs> oh. he, 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 came to, he came to Blacksburg to watch the game. Virginia Tech has a 0% winning percentage this year when Will comes to Blacksburg <laughs> to watch a game in a bar with me. I have shamed myself. We've yeah, got now, somebody now, to blame now. No, and when I watch a game in a bar... Without Will, Virginia Tech has a 100% winning percentage. Now you tell this me. year. No, I told you that. I, was, I put that on the boards on the on, sa- on Saturday. I should have stayed over and watched it in my basement. <laughs> yeah, we, no, no, that's I the real reason. Out, I should have gone out to my buddy Bruce's lake house. That's where I that's watched where the ACC semifinals right. and finals. Right. Well, we know for next time, next year, uh, Will, you are not allowed inside the confines of Blacksburg. <laughs> yeah, that is correct. Uh, I, I'm glad to take the hit. Well, and we were talking about it last week about how I wasn't going to get to watch the game. They moved the baseball game up two hours, so mm-hmm. I got to watch most of the basketball game I'm on sorry. Friday. 
kind of wish I hadn't, you know, because yeah. <laughs> yeah. I only got to watch the second half, which was the half right. that, that wasn't it quite wasn't as good. Really. That's the one where it got away from him. Yeah. Well, the first question I want to ask about the men's basketball loss is we were talking about momentum coming off the ACC tournament, mm-hmm. but maybe was it maybe a little bit more likely for them to be worn out and maybe have a letdown after winning those four straight games than having to turn around quickly, head to Milwaukee and play an NCAA tournament Have game. an emotional letdown, yes. maybe. Uh, I don't know what's possible. I, I think winning an ACC title, um, deal, dealing with that massive welcome back thing at Castle, I think that's a lot to mentally process yeah. in, a, in a short period of time. Um, and, like, maybe it's a little tough mentally to transition from Okay, we have to win these games. To oh, we're in the NCAA tournament, <laughs> right? And we're we're playing a game. And yes, you have to win it if you want to win a national title. But uh, I don't know. I I think uh, I think the main thing is like like Texas. Honestly, Texas played a good game. Yep. Um, Texas shot the ball better than they've shot all season to their credit. But they also, I thought that I didn't think Tech played well defensively, and I think a lot of that was just that they hadn't outside of Clemson. I don't think that Virginia Tech had played a team as physical as uh, as Texas this year, and Texas does it with more more skill than Clemson does it, in my opinion. So I think and we, outside of PJ Hall, right? right <laughs> outside of PJ Hall, and we saw the issues Tech had with Clemson. Yeah, and Texas was the most Clemson-like you know, opponent that really Virginia Tech could draw from a physicality standpoint. Yeah, David Cunningham tweeted that that's the most points Tech has given up all year, all year to, yeah. to a not good offensive team. Uh, they're an efficient offensive team, but they they're not a good shooting team. Right. Yeah. Uh, the generally they out out muscle teams for their mm-hmm. points. Now they did both against Virginia Tech. Yeah. Yeah. I mean their their first ten points came off of second second chance, chance second points. chance points, yeah. and they had they had six offensive rebounds quick Quickly. and only had three the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. But that's when Andrew Jones and everybody started hitting threes and. Yeah, te- Texas, I looked, they were in the 220s nationally in three-point percentage, mm-hmm. under 33% on the year, 10 of 19, and you mentioned Andrew Jones. He went so five So let of me seven. jump in here and say that in rewatching the game last night, they missed their first three three-pointers. Yes. They missed then, everything. For then like the by first. my calculations made nine of their next 12. Yes, yeah, so they missed three, made nine of their next 12, then made one of like their last five. Mm-hmm. Texas shot 34% in the first half, 64% in the second half. It just felt like there was a stretch for 10 to 12 minutes right after halftime where Texas was not missing. They went up for three. It was going down every single time. And, and we can't complain about that because <laughs> Texas just played a Duke team that couldn't – and a UNC team. And a North Carolina That team. couldn't hit the broad side of a barn against Virginia Tech. And meanwhile, oh, Hunter, Hunter Couture made pretty much everything he put right. out. That's just the way it goes I mean, in basketball goes, sometimes. Yeah. Um, I think for Virginia Tech to win, they needed to do a better job on the boards, uh, particularly you know on the offensive glass early in the game. And you've got to really keep the ball out of the paint uh, against Texas. I mean, if you told me before the game that Texas would attempt 19 three-pointers and that Virginia Tech would score 73 points, I would have been like, we won. We won. <laughs> we pr- and we might have won by double digits. Yeah. You know, that, that's So there were some anomalies statistically in this game. But again, I think you've got to give Texas credit. I, I think uh I think they took the Hokies out of their game to a certain extent. And, and you know, things looked good early. Texas missed like their first five shots. Yep. Yeah. Virginia Tech went up four to nothing, eight to four. At some point they had a six point lead and I just didn't feel like things were going poorly. Um even though Texas was getting a bunch of offensive rebounds and getting second second chance points. 
And then Andrew Jones started to hit those three pointers, and I, and I got a creepy feeling. And then, of course, the three quarter court shot right for the half. No, I still felt good even after the the shot, the halftime shot, and I'll tell you why. Tech was down by two, and they were down by two despite Aluma being on the bench for the last seven minutes of the first half, and Couture being on the bench for what the last ten minutes. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah. So, I thought with those two guys on the bench for 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 you know combined seventeen minutes or so in, in the first half, if not more. I felt like to only be down by two points at halftime and actually to really deserve to be winning the game considering one of Texas's shots was a three, three-quarter three court buzzer beater. I felt good about it. I'm like, we're going to get Aluma back in the second half. We're going to get Couture back in the second half. And, and we're going to play better in the second half because we've got two of our key starters back. Yep. Didn't work out that way. Um, so I, so you can complain about the, the, the foul trouble. Like, I thought Aluma's two fouls were ridiculous. And we'll talk about that, especially the first one. But at the same time, like we didn't play as well in the second half with Aluma in the game. Right. So we can't, with any decisiveness, say that the game would have been different if Aluma and Couture had not been in foul trouble. And the, the key stretch of the game was, I believe, Texas was winning 39-38 fairly early in the second half. And Tech started to turn the ball over, which um, I don't know what the stats are on the number of turnovers Tech had. It wasn't egregious. But there was a stretch there where they turned it over three or four times. And next thing you knew, it was 61 to 45, and that thing was over. Yeah. It felt like it went from a seven to eight manageable game with maybe 10 minutes left to a 17 point game just like that, and the game was over. Yeah. Uh, and I wrote it down Texas had a stretch probably over 10 minutes in the middle part of the second half, nine of 13 shooting. Uh, that was when Marcus Carr really started to light it up. He had the three-quarter court shot at the end of the first half, then hit two tough threes in the second half, too, uh, and really pulled away from there. Nick, do you have the turnover number? Yeah, they had 13. Uh, Tech had 13 turnovers. Mm, Texas had nine. And um, what what were the points off turnovers? Points off turnovers are right here, 12 to 11. So they're dead okay. even. Yeah. And I also wanted to mention Texas had, had double-digit threes two other times this season. They had 10 against Tech, and then they also had 10 against Purdue yesterday. <laughs> wow, so really? they shot really well against Purdue. So two they of lost. their three games. Yeah, four uh, total games. Four total they had games. two in the regular season, okay. and then two boom, in the boom, NCAA right tournament. there. Wow. So props to them. They hung with Purdue. Purdue's just a much better team. They're, They're really, really good. good. <laughs> Watching a full game of Jaden Ivey last night, that, that would have been a tough matchup for the Hokies. Uh, yeah, I know, but the, 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 dis- the disappointing part, of getting knocked out in the first round. <laughs> you sit there uh, on Thursday night, and I watched St. Peter, Peter's beat, beat Kentucky, and I'm like, well, somebody's going to have a nice path. And then you, you watch St. Peter's go beat on Murray and State. beat Murray State, and you're sitting there thinking, man, if, if you beat Texas and then somehow you pull an upset against Purdue, you're talking about going to the Elite Eight. Well, and then UNC beat number one Baylor. Yeah, that, what a strange game that was. It's yeah. a, the, the East region is oh. a mess right now. Uh, yeah. Purdue and UCLA, both three and four seeds made it. But yes, number eight seed UNC and number 15 seed St. Peter's <laughs> are into the Sweet 16. Uh, similar situation last year. If Tech had knocked off Florida, they would have gotten the 15 seed Oral Roberts in the next round. I, I know. And, and, and of course, the year where we actually do win our first round game. And our second round game, you get number one. You Duke. get number one Duke with three of the top four picks in the draft, <laughs> right? With a, a generational so, college player, right? Exactly. In, in Zion so, Williamson. So that, that's that's the next step in the evolution of the program. Is uh, so we made the NCAA tournament five times in a row now, and we only lost got past the first round once. once. Then right. that was that Sweet Sixteen game, and you know the Florida game could have gone either way. Uh, that Alabama game could have gone either way. Actually, the Alabama game 
reminds me a bit of the Texas game. Yeah. And uh, no, yeah, the, well, Alabama, I, the Alabama game was closer. But if you remember that that year, that was the year Virginia Tech changed their defensive scheme in the middle of the season. Right. Like around the beginning of February. And they improved tremendously defensively down the stretch. And that's why they got into the NCAA tournament. They played great defense over that last month. It was one of the best coaching jobs you'll see. When you change your defensive scheme in the middle of the season, basically change it to more of a pack line type type defense. Tech played great defense in, in the month of March, or in February and March, and then got to the NCAA tournament against Alabama and kind of reverted back their old form, and I think gave up 91 points or something like that. Well, this year, Virginia Tech plays great defense. I mean, we've, we've gone over this over articles, how they, they jumped up from 110th or so in defensive efficiency to, you know, in 50s the 50s or 60s, something 50s. like that. Yeah. yeah. It was just a, we're, we're statistically the best ACC defensive team down to the last six weeks or so of right. the season. And then they get to the NCAA tournament in their first round and kind of revert to some of their old numbers defensively. And, so, and we talked about Texas just shooting the lights out when we talked about it on the podcast last week that the defense for Texas was what Tech had to worry about. Putting yeah, up points, again, you put up seventy three. If points, you had told me Tech would score seventy three points, I would have I would have felt good about that game. Yeah. Well, the Hokies only shot twelve shots from three point range, and six that, of them from Sean Padula. Right. It seemed like that was Texas's mo was saying we're not going to let them beat us by beyond the three point. Line. Yeah, I think, uh, like I said, they took Tech out of their game to a certain extent, and. You know, if you go back to the ACC tournament after Tech beat Duke, uh, Mike Shashevsky said Virginia Tech is an extremely difficult team to prepare for with one one day, yeah. going from one day to the next. Um, but but you know Texas had all week, and and that's that's a difference. So maybe in hindsight, or you wish maybe you got a Thursday game instead of a Friday game. That's one one less day to prepare. I, I don't know, um, but I thought. They're, they're, I think Tech could have played better. Uh, I think the refs could have refed better when it comes to those two fouls on Aluma. Um, but I also thought Texas played really well, and you have to give them a lot of credit. Yeah, and, and this happens, and this why this is why you have to go to the tournament year after year after year yeah. after year because eventually this stuff you get a breakthrough. You know, like it, yeah. when they went to the Sweet Sixteen, they got a really good draw that year. They, <laughs> they finally and uh, Liberty knocked off. Well. We were we were fortunate. All right, so Tech was probably going to be a five or a six seed that year, but what Virginia Tech did is announce that Justin Robinson was returning for the NCAA tournament. And when you do that, sometimes the selection committee will give you the benefit of the doubt. When you lose a key player and they know he's coming back for the tournament, they will say, "Okay, this this team would have been a four seed if they didn't lose this guy for a month and a half, like Tech did yeah. with uh, Justin Robinson." So Tech got a four seed that year when the numbers indicated they were probably going to be a five or six. So thank the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee for that one. Uh, I know no Virginia Tech fan has ever done that. But um, <laughs> uh, so Tech was Tech got St. Louis in the first round, yeah. the 13 seed, and beat them. Number 12 seed Liberty upset the five seed Mississippi State, and yep. the Virginia Tech got to play a 12 seed in the second round. Uh, actually didn't – that was that was pretty anticlimactic because tech it really tech was. didn't dominate either it one really of those, but was. also it wasn't all that close in either one. It, yeah, it felt it was, like tech it was, was like, in control, but never pulled away against right, either right, of those right. teams. It was just oh like, look, man. we're in the Sweet Sixteen, you know, <laughs> yeah. no buzzer beaters, right. no no drama at all, no. no incredible galactic clashes. Just okay, we'll beat them, we'll beat them. Look, we're in the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, and yeah. so that's getting back to the point. That's why you got to go year after year after year 
because eventually it's your year right. and you go to the Sweet 16, you go to the Elite Eight, and you've got that shot at maybe even doing the Final Four. And you see teams now making runs. I mean, Iowa State's in the Sweet 16. Miami is now in the Sweet 16. I'm, so you're seeing teams that if you if you make it a few years out of – That like, Miami like, thing doesn't surprise me at all because they're so talented physically. They're, they're so talented, but they're really the embodiment of, like, why the ACC ended up being rated so low this year. Yeah. Like, I was looking up Miami's schedule this morning. They lost to UCF, who isn't even in the top 175. Yeah. So that's why the ACC didn't get good seedings and stuff this year, because their efficiency ratings and, and the stuff were so low, because they did things like get smoked by the A-10 in the regular season. Yeah. They did things like lose to UCF during, during the regular season. James Madison. J- James Madison. Uh, Virginia Tech lost to Dayton. Miami lost to Dayton. Um, so the ACC's had a good tournament, but like they're, they're – they, you know, like if they had done better in the non-conference portion of their schedule, and they had given themselves a chance to get more quad one wins within conference play by having more efficient nah. non-conference schedule, then maybe Wake Forest is in. You know, UVA um, too. Yeah, yeah exa- exactly. So I, I don't, I don't understand why the ACC was bad in their non-conference schedule this year, but that counts. The reason why Tech was uh, so good in the computer ratings this year is like, like they didn't play great against. You know, there's non-conference teams like like uh, Xavier, and, Memphis, and, and Xavier, and, Memphis, and, uh, and Dayton. But but they hammered the teams they were supposed to hammer. Right. Like, do you get Maine and Castle Coliseum, and they beat them by 30, like they're supposed to? They they don't lose to them like Miami lost to to UCF. Yeah. So that's why Virginia Tech's efficiency ratings were so high is because they hammered teams they were supposed to hammer. Well, and all the losses besides the Wake Forest loss was within well, at close. least 11. Exactly. Yeah, And that's the madness of March. You had nine Big Ten teams in. Only two of them make the Sweet 16. ACC had five teams get in. Three of them and almost four. Notre Dame got close to beating Texas Tech last night. So could have had four teams in the Sweet 16 uh, from the ACC. Will, I know you've been waiting. We're going to talk about Keve Aluma. He had 15 points, 7 of 10 shooting, but foul trouble. Uh, <laughs> Will's been waiting to have his little rant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's it's not much of a rant it, because everybody's talking about yes. it. Yes. You know, um, when when you get on Twitter and read articles today, everybody's talking about the officiating in, in the tournament overall. Yep. And if you have read my stuff for years and listened to me on the podcast for years, then you know that I typically don't talk about officiating. So I will, I remember writing Monday Thoughts articles and the comments are, you didn't talk about that terrible call, you know, because, because it happens. Um, but there was, so Kev, so let's talk about Keve. I, th- I think it was 18 to 18 and he got called for a horrendous offensive foul that just probably should have been a no call. Or Both a, guys or, just fell down. In the yeah. Line. Or a defensive yeah. foul, you know, and then, and then he got called literally like 30 seconds later down on the defensive end um uh, that was let's just say players got away with a lot worse than what he did at the other end so that came when it was 18 to 18 and when that first foul got called we're sitting there in champs and uh, I got a buddy Pete Pete lives in Virginia Beach and I like watching games with Pete because the rest of us are just our emotions are ruling how we react to things now Pete is a huge hockey fan too he has but he's always, he's always very clear-minded about what just happened, even if it's good or bad for Tech. You know, if it's a bad play by a Tech player, he'll say. If it's a good call by a ref, he'll say. So, the, like, the instant that call was made, I just, I just went, oh, man. And I looked over at Pete, and Pete went nuts. He was like, 
you cannot call that. That's a <laughs> terrible call. And he just, he typically doesn't respond like that unless, yes, it's a legit terrible call. So there's that. And, and that he was kind of my barometer. I was like, oh, that was as bad as I thought it was. <laughs> and, you know, well, okay, the weird thing is that that came with 18 minutes left to go. And Tech actually hung with him for the rest of the half, even mm-hmm. though Couture and Aluma were both out. Um, but what did it what did it do to them mentally? It's, it's all part of the whole thing of you get a couple of crappy calls. Texas starts hitting a bunch of threes. Before that, they're getting a bunch of offensive rebounds. So it all, people say, you know, that the officiating balances out or doesn't matter or whatever. Sometimes it becomes part of an overall mental thing that's going on and you start to get frustrated so those three things happened during the first half and then they hit a three-pointer you know from from three-quarter court so that's all the stuff that happened to tech and and i didn't i didn't get a chance to watch a lot of the ncaa tournament uh this weekend but i did watch a lot of uh, notre dame and texas tech now late in the game and this is just one example i know this stuff was going on apparently i didn't watch baylor and unc apparently that was just a, a, a boxing match um, so anyway, late in Notre Dame and Texas Tech, uh, Notre, don't get me wrong, Notre Dame wasn't going to win. I think they were down seven, and it was getting late, and they had a play under the basket where one of those guys went up, got hit in the head. Three times. <laughs> two or three times, just repeatedly, and no call. And Texas Tech winds up with a dunk at the other end that I think put him up nine, and that was the end of it. And apparently the – so – there's been this commentary for years that the ACC doesn't call game, doesn't let games get physical enough. So when they get to the tournament, they're kind of caught off guard by how physical the games are. Um, something's going on here that, and and I I knew there was another. Now this is when it does turn into an actual rant. Here's what you're going to see next year, okay? There's all this talk about the officiating and how players are just mugging each other and no calls are being made and it's ruining the game. I can see it already at the beginning of next season. There are going to be points of emphasis and fouls are going to be called all over the place that are ridiculous and that'll ruin like the first six weeks of the college basketball season. And by January, it'll be back. And to then normal. gradually, <laughs> they won't call it anymore. You know, we'll we'll be right back here. So one thing I want to to continue this discussion. One thing I wanted to ask you guys that watch the NBA, what is the? I don't watch it at all. Are they this physical in the NBA? I mean, nah. how does it compare? Depends on what player's getting fouled, I think. Yeah. If it's LeBron James, <laughs> you breathe on him wrong, he gets the call. If it's So that's a so, thing. Uh, yeah, it like, is. It's more player-specific. It really college, is. College basketball, you know, de- depending on the team and, and how willing the refs are to let – refs are more willing to let them play from a physicality standpoint in college, I think. Yeah. I think the NBA so. okay. isn't even as physical, I would say. Uh, so, yeah. Um, I, I, I think, you know, there's better athletes in, in the NBA, so sometimes, mm-hmm. like – you know, you get beat off the dribble. You don't have a chance to be physical when you're trying yeah. to defend somebody in the open court. Um, I mean, Seth Greenberg's teams were really physical defensively. Um, like, I think I think if, if Virginia Tech played a Seth Greenberg coach team, we would be like, oh, my God, they foul too much. Really? Right? Oh, uh, yeah, because Tech was really physical defensively under Greenberg. Um, so I, I do think that is allowed in, in college more so than, than the NBA. And Texas is one of those teams that does it. Clemson is another one of those yeah. teams that plays extremely physical defense. And I think in the NBA, defense is 
a little bit more optional, especially in the regular season. Yeah. You'll see some guys take plays off defensively, whereas you don't see that as much uh, in the college game. Uh, last night, another call that everybody's buzzing about, TCU-Arizona was tied late, n- number one seed in the South region, and TCU had the ball, and point guard got mugged at half court. I'm watching they, it right now. <laughs> Nick watching it in the fourth chair, yeah. and... You know, there's four seconds left in the game. Maybe you swallow your whistles at that point. Almost led to a dunk at the other end. It went to overtime. Arizona won. So wow. there's been a lot of questionable calls out there. A uh, lot of no calls. But then also yesterday in Texas, Purdue, Purdue was in the double bonus with 12 and a half minutes to play oh, yeah. uh, in the second half. A large reason why they went on and won. Well, the, and that's kind of the risk of when you play a style like like Texas plays. You get a set of refs that it's one of those days where they let them play and and yeah. you, it's going to be great for you. But if you get sometimes a set of refs that, that for whatever reason, call a lot of touch fouls that day, then you're going to be in the double bonus a lot because you do an awful lot of touching. Yeah. Hokies fell behind late in that game against Texas, never really were able to come back. There was an interesting moment when Sean Padula got four straight free throws at the line where it kind of felt like, Maybe there's a chance if they hit some shots. I believe Didn't Hunter, we get Hunter a, Couture hit a three. Yeah, we get t- Storm got a steal and and hit Couture for that for that deep three pointer, which um, I think it made it a six or a seven point game yeah, at that point. I, mean, I think seven, that was yeah. the first three we made in the game that wasn't made by Sean Padula. Right? Yes, yes, four it was the only one that wasn't hit. By okay, him. okay, yeah. yep. Uh, Hokies again, one of six outside of Sean Padula from three point range. Yeah. It when Hunter Couture, Storm Murphy, Nahima Lean. Justin Mutz, Kevin Luma, when all those guys, Darius Maddox, are only shooting six total threes in a game. Right, right. And, and that's, that's, well. that's the part where you have to give Texas credit because the fact that Virginia Tech couldn't get through their – get off their screens cleanly and things like that, and they just couldn't really get any good looks from yep. the outside. I mean, think about all those good looks Couture got against Duke. There were none. Like His only good look came off a turnover in the open court, a fast break for yep. the pointer, basically. Yeah. That, that was a uh, – this this sounds like a random comment, but that that uh, that that spin and reverse layup that Justin Mutz had. Do you remember the play I'm talking about? Yes, I'm not exactly sure when it was occurred. That that was wicked. That was really nice. He had back to back plays. I think yeah. driving baseline. That was one of them, and then he had another one where he scored four straight. That that was huge. Uh, Sean Padula mentioned him. He did. Have, he led the team nineteen. He led points. the Hokies in scoring. Uh, he, he, had he was ten free throws. Yeah, he was. Three, <laughs> he was three of six from three, from point, three point range, range. and ten of ten from the line. Yes, nineteen points. Yes, man. that was all of his so, scoring. What did he end up shooting from the free throw line this year? It's got to be around ninety percent. Right? He was eighty five percent going into the game. Yeah. Okay, so so and know, he didn't shoot a ton. I don't right. Yeah, so I'm sure that affected probably, probably well. Yeah, though. so Nick, go ahead and look it up, and yeah, I wouldn't surprise me if he bumped it up to ninety percent with that. I don't know. Ten of ten is only a hundred percent over ten shots. Uh, it but I don't think he took that many. He didn't. Through. I don't think he took over fifty this season. Yeah. Padula probably stepping into that starting point guard role. One of just three Hokies in double digits in that game. Yeah, he's a he's got a really bright future. Yeah. You know, I, I don't want to overhype him, and I. Yeah. But uh, in, in again, going back to watching the uh, uh, series, of the tournament on the ACC network, um, they talked about Mark Price playing point guard for uh, Georgia Tech. And Price was not a physically impressive player. He wasn't particularly athletic. He was, but he was really good, and he wound up playing in the NBA for about ten or twelve years. Yeah. I think Padula is actually, you know, I don't remember my days watching Mark Price, but I think Padula is probably more athletic than Mark Price was. So he's he's got a he's got a pretty high ceiling. I think his best days are ahead of him. 
Yeah, so I, I was right. He didn't shoot 50. He shot 43 throws on the season. Mm-hmm. He was 36 of 40. Oh, 90%. 90% on the dot. But yeah. So he shot a quarter of his free throws in the final that game of the season. That is unbelievable. But, wow. I mean, to miss only four on the whole season. Yeah. Well, he's going to shoot more wild. next year. Yeah. And if he can, so he's going to at least probably double his output of free throws next year. Well, as uh, much as he drives to the basket. Yeah, 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 exactly. And he'll continue to adjust to the speed of the game and, he, and things like that. And his playing time next year will, will just about double. Um, so I think, yeah, he's going to have a big year next year. Hopefully he can continue to shoot 90% from the free throw line because if he does, he'll have a chance to score a lot of points. I, I just wish his mama would have had him earlier so he could be a sophomore this year instead of next year, you know, and – um, it's so it's the timing of things because I really like the way the team's coming along, but you may lose both of Mutz and Aluma. Yes, what a wonderful opportunity for Virginia Tech fans to make a difference in the future of the basketball <laughs> program by signing Justin Mutz to a nice NIL deal so he comes back. What a wonderful opportunity for the fan base to say we want Virginia Tech to succeed. Or so let's get Justin Mutz to stay. Calling all Hokies business owners. Mm-hmm. Justin to show Mutz. how much you care about Virginia Tech basketball. <laughs> I think it, it, Virginia Tech has the CEO of Boeing at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. He, well, yeah. He, he's I, got I a think, few. I think Justin Mutz should be a little bo- cash. Yeah. He should be the face of Boeing. Yeah. <laughs> he should. Slap Absolutely. him on the side of a plane. Slap him on the side of a plane. <laughs> <laughs> well, well he, he, could, he could do ads for leg room. He could do ads for head room, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 He's like six, seven. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There um, we go. Hi, yes. Justin Mutz from Virginia Tech yeah, basketball here. Yeah, we need Justin Mutz and Kev Luma to do a commercial climbing onto a plane. They, there's no room for me. Oh, but in there Boeing, is on a Boeing 737. <laughs> uh, so we tend to talk exclusively about mutts when we talk about this stuff because I just there there's for whatever reason I just don't think there's a possibility that Aluma Aluma comes back. Um, you yeah, guys agree with that? Or I I'd be surprised if he does because you know he's he's not going to be an NBA player. But if he wants a chance at the NBA. Ever it has to be now. Yeah. The longer he waits, like he's not going to get better playing another year in college. And NBA teams um, usually want to go younger exa- rather than exa- draft a twenty-three year old. Exactly. And uh, and you know, at this point, I don't know how many contracts he'll end up signing throughout the course of his professional season, but uh, or professional career. But you know, the longer you wait, that that's that's one less year of your life where you're making six figures or, or maybe if he's good enough maybe even seven, seven figures yeah. overseas it would knock one of those years off off the end of his career so I, I he it's probably in his best interest to leave so that's why i keep saying mutts 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 and, and and not aluma but if he was open to staying i would be open to him staying of course yeah, too. can you imagine a team where like both those guys came back and the only player we lost was was storm murphy and then we added Rodney Rice and Darren and, Buchanan, and Patrick Wessler, right, right, and, 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 and that, that would give Wessler class. a chance to develop. Yes, and maybe Tyrell Ward. Yes, yeah. yeah. So for those who are like, who's Tyrell Ward? Uh, yeah. Tyrell Ward went to Dematha. Yep, committed to Xavier. Teammates with Rodney Rice is like the number thirty-five player in the country. So he knows Mike, assistant Mike Jones. He knows Rodney Rice. He was committed to Xavier. Xavier had a coaching change. And uh, he decommitted like literally yesterday, mm-hmm. I think. So it's a yes. top 35 kid. And, and Tech's got a shot. And that is the other reason we need to sign Justin Mutz to a very public ad. Darius Maddox, why not? <laughs> sign somebody to a very public NIL contract so you can say, look, Tyrell Ward, this kind of thing happens here. Yeah, you can make money at Virginia Tech if you prove to be a good enough player. Right. 
Right. Well, and the Hokies only have one available scholarship remaining, so you would expect some turmoil in the portal. Yeah. Uh, well, well, you know, if, if if Mutz and Aluma come back, they're plus one, right? Yes. But for next but year, where's and Jalen, Tyrell Ward. So, Jalen Haynes go is the thing. Right. Yeah. Jalen Haynes Jalen has been Haynes, with the team for a few Lynn months. Lynn yeah. didn't play very much. You would think maybe he might. There's, uh, there's always attrition. Yes. Um, yeah. I think Tyrell Ward, uh, because he's a, he's a traditional three. He's a small forward. Uh, I think Darren Buchanan is a four. At Virginia Tech, he's six seven, right? Six seven, two thirty. Physical, yeah, yeah. pretty um, athletic player. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so some, I think he's listed as a small forward on on two four seven, but I think for Virginia Tech, he's he's a four. Yeah, both um, him and Tyrell, I, I, and you know his high school team, he basically runs the point, so he's got point guard skills. I want to play him at the four and try to make him another Justin Mutz, yeah. a creative four, um, who who can pass the ball out of the post. Um, so I don't view Buchanan. And Ward is crossover guys who were playing the same position. I, I think uh, Buchanan was a four for Virginia Tech, and I think Ward would be a three. And I think, uh, oh gosh, Rodney Rice would be a one and a two. Yeah, yeah, it's a. Uh... So you look at the team, it was funny. Gosh, who was I watching last night? It may have been Texas Tech where they had like five mid-major transfers or something like that yeah. on their team. And I thought, oh, so it's not just Virginia Tech. Oh, He's, no. Who's achieving at a fairly high level with, you know, Tech, it's guys from Wofford and uh, uh, Delaware. Right. Um, but I think you're seeing right in front of your eyes the Virginia Tech program starting to evolve into a program that is populating its team with guys that they recruited out of high school. Yes. You know, and – um, and I, I said this on previous podcasts, it, it's like if you really step back and look at it, they're ahead of schedule, I think, you know, mm-hmm. with, with what they've achieved. Um, in, in one sense, they're evolving normally as a team. What I just said, they plug a bunch of holes with transfers. They recruit some high school guys. That's a normal evolution. And, and we're in we're in between year three and four now. Mm-hmm. But the, the level they've achieved at going in the NCAA tournament the last two years, that's that's ahead of schedule. Yeah, well, and even Mike Young's first year when they went 16 and 16, I believe. And they only, yeah, returned, they only, they only returned like three players yeah. from the previous season. And, yeah. and one of those was Landers Nolly, who I think in hindsight. He wigged was, out at the end of the well, year. Well, yeah, yeah. I don't think he was fully bought in. Um so they went sixteen and sixteen that year, and they probably shouldn't have gone sixteen yeah. and sixteen. Uh, yeah, I think that, I, that was the year with the win over Michigan State. Uh, Michigan yeah, yeah, State. yeah. Um, and Villanova was the following year, right? Yes. Yeah. And I, I think it was very important to retain Wabisa Beatty that year because Wabisa Beatty was a winning player. He has a winning yeah. mentality, and I think you know Tech had a winning culture under Buzz, and, and I think it was important to retain Beatty during that transition. So you retain that winning culture and it gets passed down to the Hunter Couture's and the Hemalines and, and guys like that. And then obviously you bring in Aluma who's used to winning at, at Wofford and, and uh, you know, Storm this year who's used to winning. Um, so I think, I think we have a winning culture at Virginia Tech now. And I, th- I think that's been the most important, important thing over the last five or six years. Yes, we've made NCAA tournaments, but the more important thing is we've established a winning culture which should continue to pay pay dividends, I think. And there there's a lot of momentum around the program right now. You know, they've they've shown the uh, yeah that Jake is pointing <laughs> at the table where the confetti is from the <laughs> ACC tournament. That that's uh, that's a whole thing. But um, you know, they've they've unveiled the concepts for Castle Coliseum, yep. and the people we know that know some of what goes on in the Hokie Club. Apparently, there's a lot of financial momentum building around the program and 
you know, it's going to be interesting to see where they are in five to 10 years because everything's pointing in the right direction right now. And obviously not a happy weekend. You want to see the team advance in the NCAA tournament, but you have to look back and say this was a successful season for Virginia Dude, I will Tech. trade that confetti <laughs> for a first-round exit any day. Of course, of course. And momentum we mentioned with recruiting, a good class already coming in, maybe Tyrell Ward joining the fold as well, maybe Justin Mutz coming back, a lot to look forward to next season in Mike Young's fourth year with the program. Hokies trying to reach their sixth straight NCAA tournament. I think that's going to wrap it up on men's basketball talk. Unless you guys have any anything else to talk about from Texas games. No, I think that's good. Yeah, I think you can leave it at that. Uh, this team, I know you wanted to, you wanted them to have a different ending, but ultimately they, they, they did something that no other Virginia Tech team can ever do. They yeah. were the first ever men's basketball champion. So this is whatever happened in the NCAA tournament, this is still a legendary team yeah. uh, for, for Virginia Tech throughout all sports. Well, like you said in the last podcast, they'll be coming back 20 years from now and taking a bow in Castle yeah, and absolutely. waving at people. And, and the young ones will be going, who's that? Right, and right. They'll be so, like, see that banner? Yeah, exactly. So it's like not 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 even like like the 2004 team, like when I was a senior, which is my all-time favorite football team because they won the ACC when I was a senior in college our first year in the league. Like – just because they lost to Auburn in the Sugar Bowl doesn't mean that they're not fondly remembered. I mean, like, nobody remembers that Sugar Bowl. People remember winning the ACC, you know what I mean? People are going to look back on the season and remember those four days in Brooklyn. Exactly. They're not going to remember the Texas game. And, oh, by the way, you know, they they beat UNC in the semifinals, Duke in the finals. Those are two Sweet 16 teams. Yeah. Yes, uh, and also beat Miami late in the regular season. Also Sweet a Sweet 16. 16 team. I know, yeah. So, Hokies, a very successful season, first ACC championship in program history. They look forward to next year, hopefully, to a run in the NCAA tournament. With that, let's check in on Nick in the fourth chair. What you got for us today? Uh, I wanted to touch on the conference numbers in the Sweet 16, uh, like you said. Oh, please do, yes. Yes. So the ACC and Big 12 are the only two with three each. Um, The Big 10, Pac-12, and Big East have two. And Big Bad Big 10 only with two, found surprising. Two out of nine. Yes. And then uh, SEC, who everybody was like, oh, the SEC is finally taking over college basketball, is tied with the WCC, the MAAC, and the AAC with one team in. Yep. And so... I think that proves not that the ACC is still king of college basketball because, yes, like I think overall the league was down, um, but it still shows that, you know, the ACC still can. The, the problem, the problem with the Big Ten is like the Big Ten doesn't have a dominant program. No, they like, beat like, each other up. Like, you, like you used to consider Michigan State a national caliber championship team. And Ohio team. State was up there, and too. They're, and they're not now. Like, yeah. Michigan State was a 7 seed. I, I think, I think the, the, the Big Ten is, is like deeper than the ACC, but there's not like, like they don't have a Duke. No. In that league. Mm-hmm. So Nick, uh, so uh, yeah. three out of five ACC teams made the sweet 16. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what are the conferences three in big 12, big 12. And how many teams did they put in the tournament? Seven or eight. I yeah, it say. was, they were pretty deep themselves too going yeah. in. Cause Baylor lost, Texas lost. Um, who else? They had a few other uh, TCU lost last mm-hmm. night, right. so they had at least six. If Texas not Tech seven. still in it. Texas yeah. Tech so still in. You got Texas Tech, Kansas, in Kansas, who's a right. one seed, and then Iowa State, who's Iowa the State. eleven seed. 
who beat a three seed and, and won, a six seed. And they won two games last year, and now they're yeah. going to the Sweet That's 16. incredible. Yeah. And, and, who, and, and so the Big, the big Ten sent nine teams, right, and only yep. two advanced. Yes, um, yeah. Michigan yeah. and Purdue. And the SEC sent – And Michigan was the 11 seed. Eight, that two. No, uh, no, six for the SEC. And, and look, this is important. Because, like, obviously, money, money, money. obviously the ACC lags behind the SEC and the Big Ten when it comes to television deals. Uh, I don't know exactly what each unit is worth these days in the NCAA tournament. I know you've written an article on it's it. It's been a while. It's been yeah. a long time, so yeah. the numbers haven't been updated. But the more you win in the NCAA tournament, the more money you make. As and, a and, conference. And it's paid out over, like, five years. Yeah, it's a it's it's some kind of four or five year rolling thing yeah. where whatever the ACC does this year earns a certain amount of money that is paid out over the next four years. Right. I think. So the more the ACC wins, the more money Virginia Tech makes. Right. Somebody on the boards, but it's just somebody on the boards that said that each win the ACC gets, or really any team means, well, the ACC with fifteen teams means a hundred thousand extra dollars to each school. So I, if, if a unit too, is yeah. worth one and a half million dollars, now that hundred may get paid out over four years or whatever. But it, it's funny. Uh, I was really rooting for Duke, and I don't do I don't like Duke. But when and, and there's a big discussion on the boards about this stuff. When when it becomes NCAA tournament time, I put all that behind me and I root for the ACC all the way. Yeah. I was really rooting for Notre Dame. Like last night, I'm watching Notre Dame, thinking. That may be my second favorite team in all of college basketball because I just like Mike Bray. I like the way they're coached. I like their players. I uh, even rooted for UNC. Yeah, of course, yeah. look who they're playing, Baylor. Defending <laughs> national it's a, champ. Little, it's a little easier to root yeah, for Yeah, Baylor, Baylor does Baylor. not have the best reputation amongst college yeah. coaches, we'll put it that way, <laughs> when, when it comes to their recruiting practices. I'll just leave it at that. Well, the ACC, Duke will take on Texas Tech in the Sweet 16. UNC has UCLA, Battle of Blue Bloods there uh, in the East region. And then Miami and Iowa State, two double-digit seeds facing off in the Sweet 16. Want to mention with the Cyclones, four months ago we sat on this set and we're talking about the preseason NIT. <laughs> if I had told you one of those four teams, Memphis, Virginia Tech, Xavier, and Iowa State would make the Sweet 16, how much money would you have put on it to say it's not Iowa State? I'm sitting there thinking, gosh – I hope we don't end up playing Iowa State in this tournament because they'll kill our net. They'll, they'll kill our net ranking because <laughs> they're they're so bad. And now they're a Sweet 16 team. Crazy. Again, well, at least one double-digit seed will be in the Elite Eight. Miami or Iowa State. St. Peter's still in it as a 15 seed as well. Now, wait a minute. Before we sign off on, on basketball, yeah, we'll bounce back over to Nick. The other thing we forgot to repeat, 10-10, and 2-7 and seven in the conference, yeah. Dead last out of fifteen teams, and you become champions. That that that's more re- that's as remarkable as that being the first time you won is the the path they travel. Oh, to get absolutely. There. I mean, everybody thought this was going to be an NCAA tournament team before the season started, and it ultimately it was. Yeah. But the path to get to that point was not the one we expected to take. One day there's going to be a really good documentary about this team. I mean, we, you're going to wait we on have the ACC, ACC network, network to do now. That? Uh, come on now. They need a chapter 11. Of the <laughs> They'll probably call us Virginia through the whole thing. Ah, <laughs> uh, tech. <laughs> uh, and this is uh, the last thing I want to talk about uh, with basketball. Buzz Williams went 0-2 his first two trips to the NCAA tournament tech. Then in his third trip, got to Sweet 16. Mm-hmm. And that same season, they won the Charleston Classic. Next year, Virginia Tech plays in the Charleston Classic. So, not saying there's anything there. The the, the Charleston Classic was really entertaining that year because Virginia Tech played Purdue for the title. Yeah. Yeah. And Purdue was an Elite Eight team that year. Remember, they gave Virginia all they could handle in the Elite Eight. Mm -hmm. And that Virginia Tech Purdue game was awesome. And I think Tech ended up winning it. 
87, 82. It was just a really high level so basketball. Back they had the Edwards guy. Carson Edwards. Carson Edwards, Edwards on the backcourt. He was such a great yes. player. Tech had three players over 20 points that night. So, yeah, the Charleston Classic has been kind to Tech. And that's not that's not the weekend of the UVA game. I think it's the weekend of the Liberty game. Football? Yeah, mm. I, I want to say. Mm, uh, got to figure out where David Cunningham is going to be that weekend. Or maybe, <laughs> maybe it is. I'm, I'm pretty sure Tech plays. I don't remember. But anyway, um, <laughs> I don't think it's the weekend of, of the UVA game. I'll put it that way. So I'm actually thinking I've always wanted to go to Charleston. Yeah. Never been. Yeah. I got to take my wife. I got to stop making her a football basketball widow for eight months and <laughs> actually take her along on some of this stuff. Well, if that trend continues from Nick, I'm looking forward to reading Mike Young's nine-page packet on why he didn't get into the NCAA tournament uh, after the NIT. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> so funny. By the way, uh, they're in the Final Four. They're in the, the Final NIT. Four. So is UVA. UVA had to knock off North Texas, North Texas. in overtime yesterday. Wow, could we see a um, – Is are they facing off in the Final Four, and they are, are they on opposite sides I'm of the I'm not bracket? sure. I've not paid attention to the NIT bracket. Well, either way, there's a chance we get uh, Buzz <laughs> Williams, that. Tony Bennett, here, I'm pulling her up wow. right now. There's going to be some, some conflicted tech fans. <laughs> Here we well, go. No, th- those teams, uh, Tony Bennett and Buzz, like when, when Buzz was at Marquette, he and Tony Bennett would scrimmage each other every year, like UVA versus Marquette wow. in yeah. a preseason scrimmage because they play such different styles that they thought that would be a good parameter yeah. to practice against somebody totally different. So I don't know if they're doing the same thing at Texas A&M <clears> and UVA true. now, but it could be like maybe they played each other in a scrimmage four or five months ago, <laughs> and now it's a rematch. So I was wrong. It's the Elite Eight, my bad. Okay. So Texas totally. A&M plays Wake Forest, and UVA plays St. Bonaventure. Buzz Williams wow. versus Hadim C. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I didn't there think about go. that. There's a storyline right there. <laughs> a reunion. All right. We will take our break here on episode 230 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. When we come back, we're going to go around the horn on the other sports in action this weekend. Women's basketball losing to Florida Gulf Coast in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Wrestling's trip to Detroit for the NCAA championships. Softball with a sweep of North Carolina. Baseball beats Pittsburgh. All of that coming up in the second half of episode 230 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to episode 230 of the Tech Sideline podcast going through last weekend in Hokie Sports. Men and women in the NCAA tournament, wrestling NCAA tournaments, Diamond Sports having success in Blacksburg, and much more. We've got our crew on set, Will, Chris, Jake, Nick in the fourth chair, Malcolm behind the scenes. want to remind you, if you're on YouTube, please drop a comment or question for Will and Chris. We'll get to those at the end of the show. And if you're on YouTube, let's take a look over at Will and the snazzy shirt he's got on. T-shirts. It says Virginia Tech established 1872 Hokies. It's got a little bit of camo action going on. So uh, what I'm about to do is pimp our fanatics affiliation. <laughs> of course. Um, so uh, this this shirt is part of a whole series of shirts. OHT, which stands for Operation Hat Trick. Okay. So I'll just read you the little card that you get when you order uh, something from the OHT line. Uh, Born as a way to honor Nate Hardy and Mike Koch. Two Navy SEALs and friends who fought and died together in Iraq in 2008 and are buried together at Arlington National Cemetery. OHT branded merchandise generates awareness and support for the recovery of wounded service members and veterans. A portion of each sale helps to fill critical gaps in care. So it's a really cool cause. Um, So to to take a look at what they offer, uh, go to techsideline.com. 
and, and I, I've admitted this before, we don't, if you go on your phone, you don't even really see the, the Fanatic stuff on your phone when you're on our website. So do a laptop or, or desktop, and then you'll see Fanatic's ads. And so click one of those and bounce over to Fanatic's and search Virginia Tech OHT for Operation Hattrick, Virginia Tech OHT. I did that this morning and got 59 hits. Wow. And it's, it's really cool looking gear. Um, I mean, T-shirts, shirts, hats, um, all kinds of pullover type things. They've even got OHT um, cornhole boards, <laughs> travel mugs. So it's, it, and it's really cool looking stuff. Um, it, the the, the uh, camo part of it is not overdone. It's always just a little stripe on the side or something like that. So it, it's neat stuff. So go take a look. Definitely a good way to support a good cause yeah. and go and, to tech. And I know that resonates with tech fans. So yes, and, but they do it for other schools too. Like literally any of the schools on Fanatics, if you search the name and OHT, you'll get gear for other schools too. So if your house divided, maybe get some tech stuff, get right. some other stuff too. Yep. Uh, go to techsideline.com. Again, click on the Fanatics ad uh, and you'll have a quick way to to get some of that gear with that we've talked about men's basketball let's jump into the women's team Hokies a five seed second highest seeding in program history and I think the committee may have given them the possibly the worst <laughs> matchup of the weekend yes. uh, in underseeded Florida Gulf Coast team Charlie cream for ESPN had them as an eight seed the committee seeded them as a 12 seed team that was ranked, had only lost two games all 29 year. 29 and, and two and ranked, and they wound up at 12 seed. And, re- and probably came into that game really pissed off because they felt like they deserved better. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> Florida Gulf Coast, uh, one of the best three-point shooting teams in the entire country. Uh, they shot 38 three-pointers against the Hokies in College Park on Friday, ended up winning by three. Like, um, like I think Virginia Tech should have won the game, but at the same time, they played a criminally underseeded team. So I think about that that's not good luck for the women's team. And, like, the men's team had to play a six seed, probably the wrong six seed. Like, what if they had gotten to play LSU without a coach? All, all other three six seeds lost. Right. Wow. That's a bummer. Yeah. Um, but but going to the women's game, so uh, they shot 38 threes. Would they make 13 of them? 15. 15. So it wasn't this ridiculous shooting percentage. No, it, it wasn't, just it wasn't a lot like of volume. Made, yeah. And, and I think where, where they really hurt Tech was uh, – they did a really good job of putting everybody out at the three-point line, and then when a tech, tech extended their defense, they had players that, that could get to the bucket on them. Yeah. Um, it was tough. You go in, and you knew they shot a lot of threes, and you know they made a lot of threes. I, I didn't – having never watched them play, I didn't know, like, you know you're going to have to extend your defense on them. Are they athletic enough to beat you off the dribble when you do close down on them really hard? And the answer to that question Turns is out, yes. yes. So uh, – Extremely difficult team to guard. And somebody on Twitter tweeted out their shot chart uh, for Florida Gulf Coast. Uh, it was all three pointers or just right around the basket. That was their shot chart. Uh, I think three some, points and layups. Somebody tweeted, uh, "Is Florida Gulf Coast run by an analytics junkie who just trusts the stats and says you're going to yeah. shoot threes and you're going to take layups and dunk or?" Layups in, in women's basketball. <laughs> and and it worked out for them. Again, 84-81 was the final. But Florida Gulf Coast was starting to pull away late in the third quarter. Hokies brought it all the way back. I believe even took the lead in the fourth. Elizabeth Kitley, 18 fourth quarter points. Wow. On her way to 42, a program record. She was unstoppable in the fourth she quarter. She started the game over three from the field. We were watching That's it. right, yeah. And then she was three of six. And then she just kept going and going and going. Wound up 16, 16 or 27? 16 to 27. So made 16 of her last 24 shots. Oof. 
And it's not like she was just laying up. They were in the fourth quarter. I want to say I saw four, maybe th- maybe three or four mid-range jumpers yeah, from about yeah, 15 yeah. to 18 yeah. feet. She was on a mission in that fourth quarter, and I, and I thought she was going to make it happen. Only one of two Hokies in double digits, though. It just wasn't wasn't the same kind of day that we've seen from Georgia Amor or Asia Shepard. Amor finished with 12. She was the only other Hokie in double digits. We got DeAsia Gregg had a good day off the bench, 7 points, 11 rebounds, but it was really the Elizabeth Kitley show, and trading twos for threes just didn't work out for the Hokies in the end. No, it didn't. Um, you have to, uh, obviously, you have to hope that they miss a few of those shots. I'm trying to pull up the, because uh, I know they lost to Maryland yesterday. Yes. Florida Gulf Coast did. Right. Yeah. It was I'll, close for a while. And I want to see what they shot in that game. I know they only only scored 63 points. They were only 11 of 35 from three-point range against Maryland. Mm-hmm. Um, 32%. 31.4%. Right. Uh, They're 15 of 38. Yeah. which is about 38% against Tech, right? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, um, what, what did they shoot? They, they were thir- only 38.5 overall from the field against wow. Maryland. So it, it looks to me like Maryland did, did a – they were better able to stop the, the drives yeah. uh, for, for sure. And a, they shot a lower three-point percentage too. But the main thing is like Maryland scored like 89 on them. Yeah. So Mar- – so, Nick, what did uh, Florida Gulf Coast shoot from two-point range? My math is correct. It was 15 of 26. Yes. That's so, they shot 12 more threes than twos. And I wonder how many of those they rebounded and put in. Yeah. Put back in. Yeah. yeah. Rebounds were twenty or 40 for Tech, 29 for uh, wow. Florida Gulf Coast. And ironically, Kitley didn't even have a double-double. They <laughs> boxed her out really well. Uh, that was one thing I was impressed with. They boxed out Kitley well, but couldn't stop her shooting. Yeah. And again, just a bad matchup there. You get a 12 seed that, again, like Chris said, probably feels a little bit disrespected to be mm-hmm. on the 12 line when they were projected to be probably top half of the bracket, 8-7, somewhere in there. They had beaten LSU, who's a 4 seed in the tournament right. earlier season. And their two losses came to, I think, Power 5 teams I and right, separated yeah. by 6 total points. I think they lost both games by 3 points. Wow. Wow. So they, they were... Six points total away from being undefeated. It's weird because that's the kind of team that can really make a run, and yet Maryland beat them by, like, I don't know, 20 or 25 or something like that. Well, and especially this year, usually you see the women's tournament. It's not quite as chaotic as the men's tournament. The top seeds usually win. But yesterday, Iowa lost. Baylor lost both two seeds. Baylor Uh, lost. Baylor lost, too. So two of the two seeds have already gone down. Kentucky lost in the first round. Yes. Now, they were only a six seed, but... Kentucky, not a great march for Kentucky basketball. No, yeah. no, both going down in the first round. So it's, so it's. I mean, Virginia Tech sent both teams in, in, to the NCAA tournament, and in four hours it was over. <laughs> that really sucked. That was the disappointment of them being back-to-back. It would have been great if both of them won. You I get know. four straight hours of watching good basketball, but ended up being a rough Friday afternoon for Hokies <laughs> fans. So who who all comes back next year? Um, Shepard is gone. Shepard is gone, I believe. Trailer's gone, right? Yes, Trailer, I believe, is gone, and I think that Trailer did not it. participate in senior day. She She's didn't. listed as a senior. She may have a COVID year. But she didn't. Left. Yeah, she has a COVID yeah, year, but she, she did not. Have a COVID she did not participate in senior day. Generally speaking, if if they don't participate in senior day, that means they're definitely coming back. Yeah. Um, if they do participate in senior day, sometimes we'll they see decide. What happens. To, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. She's a really good player. I'd love to see her come. Lytle back next is year. gone. Lytle, Lytle is gone, gone too. Liber- the Liberty transfer is okay. gone. And um, I think one of either Baines or Greg might be gone too, okay. if I'm correct. Yeah. Greg was a transfer. Greg may be gone. I think Greg Baines makes, for sure has a few more yeah. years. Um, so I think it was Greg that 
So she transferred of the starters schools. for Virginia Tech, Amor's coming back, Kayla King coming back, Kidman. Zana Baines, I believe, will come back, and obviously Elizabeth Kitley's going yeah. to be back. The core of the team is back. Yes, outside of Asia Shepard, who probably not her best year in her final season in Blacksburg. She had a much better year last year, struggled a little bit in that NCAA tournament game, but again, the core is still there for Kenny Brooks. Their, their goal was to make it to a Sweet 16. They didn't quite accomplish it this year, but still... Trending in the right direction, made the AC semifinals for the first time in program history. I think we should see another step in the right direction next year for his squad. I think so. When you see that many good players coming back, um, they're going to be right there where they were this year, if not better. Um, maybe you'd like to see a little more consistency. Like next year, don't have a Liberty game. Yes. Yeah. Or even the, the first North Carolina game. Right. right. Yeah. Like I think you don't have a Liberty game, maybe you're hosting. Maybe you're still playing. Right. It's true. Yeah, it's a solid point. Um, yeah. And and Kitley is going to bring a lot of attention to the program next year. Get a, a lot of national Possible hype. national player of the year. Yeah. Um, I, did she wound up in the final 10? I the, think she was a semifinalist, I believe. Yeah. So, yeah, final yeah. 10. ACC player of the year, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Man, that's, that's just going to be a lot of attention focused on her. And did, did you guys think – did you think Georgia Amor suffered a little bit of a uh, – I don't want to use the word slump, just inconsistent at the end of the year? I, I think – She had a great game against UNC and then NC State. I just think that was I, exhaustion against NC yeah, State. Yeah, I think oh, so too. Well, I mean, with so many other key players out against NC State, yeah. it's all on her shoulders. She played about. every minute in the UNC game yeah, the day before too. which was an overtime game. Yeah. yeah. I've got our, our Chris Hirons is tuning in. He has sent me a confirmation of who is coming back for this team. Okay. Greg is likely staying. Didn't participate in senior day. She had a great day uh, on Friday, 7 points, 11 rebounds. Trailer and Shepard both are not coming back. Okay. So Kiana Trailer is gone. That stinks. The Purdue transfer. But Tech is getting Rochelle Norris back. Uh, a transfer from West Virginia. Didn't play this year after an ACL tear. Six foot five. So it could be a good pairing with Elizabeth Kitley or a, a nice uh, backup when Kitley needs to take right, a spot yeah. on the bench. Yeah, it's good to hear. So And also, Kenny Brooks also always recruits well. I believe he's got a couple other top 100 recruits coming he's in. Got, he's got an Australian player yes, in right Yes, another now, Australian who, who player. Who enrolled early. Yeah, and, so she's and will be practicing just year. like George Amor did. Right, right. So, and Australian players have been very good to the women's program throughout the years. So again, we we talk about it. Obviously, a tough weekend for the basketball programs overall. You don't want to go out in the first round, but still a lot to look forward to with both of these teams. Men's team has now made five straight NCAA tournaments. Women's team has made back-to-back NCAA tournaments. Expect them both to improve next year. And didn't we figure that the men's team, other than the five in a row, they'd only played in like eight other NCAA tournaments? Five five of Virginia Tech's 13 NCAA tournament appearances in school history have come in the last five NCAA tournaments. Yeah. 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 So this is like truly the golden age of Virginia Tech basketball. So I'm saying capitalize on it, man. Uh, I think it'd be really tough to replace both Aluma and Mutz. Um, I think you'd have to go out and get a portal guy. Uh, Maybe somebody who can play both the four and the five. Um, I I would really like if if they could somehow convince Mutz to stay in here. And maybe NIL could help on that. then you only have to replace Aluma. And I'm not saying that's easy because Aluma's a great player. Um, but how, how much better would you feel about this team next year if Mutz came back? Yeah. yeah. And we don't talk about it enough that 
Never before in Virginia Tech history had the men's and women's team both made the tournament in the same year before last season. <laughs> it's happened back-to-back years. I think right. that's obviously showing you the commitment that the athletic department has made to those sports and the coaches that are in place, that they, they have the programs going in the right direction. Whit Babcock has done a really good job of hiring basketball coaches and supporting them. And both teams, again, will look to make the tournament again next year. And possibly, maybe we see the women's team host next year if they take another step forward. Maybe the men's team back up in that 6-5 type of seed range instead of towards the bottom where they've been the last two years. Let's move on to wrestling. Wrestling was a little bit of a happier topic. Obviously, uh, Makai Lewis falling just short of his second national title, but finished eighth in team rankings higher than NC State, which is always what uh, Tony Roby... That's probably the best part of it. (laughs) (laughs) Three All-Americans, Makai Lewis, Bryce Andonian, and Corbin Myers, all were in the top six in Detroit. So a good weekend for all of them. Sam Latona fell just short at 125 as well. Let's start with Makai Lewis, and let's start with the happy part of it. In the semifinals, he pins Logan Massa to move on to the semifinals, and I watched that video again of him getting the pin and reacting and going over and hugging yeah, Tony Roby. Yeah. That was just a really cool moment for Makai Lewis. Yeah, um, and I don't know what to say. I didn't get a chance to watch it, unfortunately, and I forgot to set my DVR as well. <laughs> but I don't I, – I, and I don't – Gosh, I'd have to go back and find it on the archives and stream. So all I've seen are, are the pin and his reaction. Yeah. And, and he is, I really want to get him on the podcast and ask him what was going through his mind when he, because it, he reacted like he just won the national championship. I don't think he was that emotional when he actually won the national championship <laughs> three years ago. So I just, I just wonder what was going on there. And um, I think it's a fact that he pinned the guy probably. Yeah. Normally you don't see pins like that, that high late. level yeah yeah. Yeah. Guy, yeah and it's not like the clock just ran out and he won he he did it he finished it off himself yeah yeah um so at some point in the weekend maybe it was after that match that he said that he considered quitting yes. wrestling in the middle of the season um did anybody ask for clarification on that or did I don't think just, anybody followed up on nobody it. followed up on it, it was but that was the the headline statement. of the weekend Wow, so we really have to have him on the podcast. He almost con- he considered that. quitting wrestling in the middle of this season. In the yes. middle of this season. Huh. And he um, only had one loss. <laughs> that's strange. Yeah, and, it, and it's, uh, I don't know, it just makes me think a lot of things. Um, you know, he won the national championship in 2019. He took the uh, Olympic redshirt year the following year. And he was injured last year. And, man, that was just painful to watch last year. And, and you would have thought if he was going to, quit that it would have been after going through that injury stuff and thinking it's just not worth it's it. It's such a brutal sport, and yeah. you have to be so dedicated to it. Um, it's so physical. It's so grinding. Um, and then you got to be what, dedicated. Like like football players go and practice, and right. they're dedicated during practice. Wrestlers just – it's all the time. It's all the time. You, yeah, right. And I, when we were interviewing all of Tech's new assistant coaches a few weeks ago before the Louisville basketball game, we were interviewing them in the players' lounge, which hap- which happens to be the floor below the wrestling practice room. Yeah. And all of a sudden, during interviews, you just hear all this noise. I mean, you thought the roof was boom, collapsing. Because those dudes were up there practicing, and they're just slamming each other into the mats and things like that. Do they and have you do that up there? Man, you, it was a lot you, of noise. You do that every day. Yeah. Every day. And so, like, even if you're really, really good at it, there's probably days where you wake up and you're like, 
I wish I didn't have to wrestle today. I don't yeah. want to do this. Yeah. And not to mention the nutrition, having to stay in, in season, you have to be at that weight almost every single week uh, to qualify. Uh, that has to be a grind as well for these guys because wrestling season is a long season. Yeah. They start- well, and you, and you look at Latona. Latona re- was wrestling at 125 and 125. Yeah. And he's so tall. Yeah. It's and- so hard to st- – I mean, he doesn't that's not a natural there. weight for most people. No, no. Uh, you get, and I've said this before. It's like, it's like the 125 pound guys are like left tackles in football. You know, that physical type <laughs> is not rare. common. Yeah. No, and again, 125—that's tough, especially the muscle that they have to put on to be strong enough to compete with these guys. Yeah. That's. It has to be a grind, and you understand, Makai, probably there were days that he didn't want to do it, but he was able to to rally. He got the pin in the semis, moved on to his second national championship bout. He came up just short to uh, Carter Storacci of Penn State, 6-5 to five final uh, in overtime. It it just seemed like Makai kind of ran out of gas at the very end, a long matchup, and just he was the more tired wrestler, and sadly with the way the rules are, that ended up deciding it. Yeah, so I, I watched. I did watch that, and um, you know, a couple of characteristics about Makai, and maybe guys that follow wrestling really closely won't agree with one of these statements. But um, he's really not an attacker. He's not a shooter. He's a counterattacker, mm-hmm. and then that's how he. That's his bread and butter, and that, and that's when he uh, scores a lot of his points. He did get a takedown early on, I think, in the first period. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, I don't know what they call it, but he kind of stepped out of the way of Starachi, and then, and then there's a term for it, used his momentum to get him down and take him down. And, and that was big. I thought, oh, that's – he didn't react to something Starachi did. He actually initiated and got the takedown. So I, I was pretty hopeful after that. But I think the other thing Makai isn't really known for is being on top and riding. Um, I've, I've watched him a number of times where he lets guys up, um, whereas other people might ride him longer. And the reason I bring all this up is that they wound up in a situation where they wrestled the three periods and they wrestled an overtime and an overtime and it was tied. And at the end it comes down to riding time. Yes. And Starachi had 15 seconds of riding time. And Mc- yeah, Mackay only had six in his period yeah, so. and, and so Starachi gets the win because he's got more riding time. It's worse than penalty kicks. Yeah, it's it's like it, and it's just everybody looks around. Oh, it's tied. Oh, well, that guy wins. Is kind of what it was like. But anyway, it makes me think when Makai was on top those few times in that match. What if he'd made more of an effort to stay on top longer? You know what would have happened? Yeah, the the whole riding time overtime rules. It almost seems like. NFL overtime rules. If mm-hmm. you score, if you can score a touchdown, the other team doesn't get a chance. Doesn't get a chance, right? Yeah. So if you just stay on top of the guy for thirty seconds, which I'm not saying is easy, you win, right? As yeah. long as you can get out on the other side, right, right, right. So, uh, so I think it's uh, it's it's just we we talked about yeah. this before we started recording. It's just a bad way to settle a national championship, right? Exactly. Right. That doesn't seem like a good way. Now, mm-hmm. like. At least in soccer, they, they give them 30 minutes of overtime, no yeah. matter what, before penalty kicks. Yeah. In this, they only gave them two minutes of sudden victory, right. which, again, I think that pro- you probably should do maybe one-minute periods of sudden victory would be yeah. my – that way you're not going for two minutes straight every time, but one minute 
try and get a takedown. Take a break. Now another minute. Try and get a takedown until somebody uh, you know, actually does it. You know, it's one of those things. It's like Okay, so it's like the selection process for the NCAA tournament. You can change the metrics every year if you want, and somebody's still going to be pissed. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Exactly. And, and I guess if you asked wrestlers what they would prefer, would you prefer a series of one-minute sudden victory until somebody gets a takedown and you uh, lose? It probably depends on what the wrestler's strength is. That's true. If, what, if what they're good at riding, they'll be like, no, I'll take uh, the 30-second yeah, we'll exactly. riding yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, and anyway. obviously, if we have wrestlers in the YouTube chat, let us know if we're wrong on this, and that's the best way to do it. But so, so let's be clear: Makai was not a disappointment. He was seated second. He finished second. Yeah. He almost won again. Yes. Um, so, and Starachi uh, was undefeated coming into the year. Yes. Yeah, again, that, it's Penn State. They had almost every one seed. They had the, five finalists, and they all won. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Penn State won the team championship like, again. It's like 131 we're, and a half we're, to 95. We're talking, we're talking about a school with big donors who ha, who have the money to pay $100 million to build a men's hockey arena. Yeah. For for just the, the men's hockey for men, team. For ice hockey. Yeah. So, like, it's the Buffalo Sabres owner, right? It's Penn State grad. The, like Virginia Tech's athletic budget for an entire year is $100 million, and Penn State has a big donor that can buy a men's hockey arena for the same price. Yeah, yeah. So, of course, their wrestling program, their version of certs, is like it's it's bigger than everybody's, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's why they win the national title all the time. They're, they're, I mean, they're more they, – right off the top of my head, the most dominant programs I can think of is Penn State wrestling. They've won 8 of 9, 9 of 10, whatever. Yes. And UNC women's soccer one time won something like – I don't know, it's, 14 of 15 the, national championships or something like that. sports are so well-funded. And I've, I've said this analogy before, but, like, I know a guy in town. He's retired. He's a Penn State grad. Like, he can't tell you who their starting quarterback is or who their offensive coordinator is or their defensive coordinator or anything like that. But he sends them a check every year because it's just ingrained in their culture to financially support their yeah. their programs. And it was a good weekend for Virginia Tech as well. Again, finished eighth. That's a solid finish for this program. Beat NC State. Yes, we, we mentioned that. <laughs> Beat the Wolfpack. That's that's always what you want. Uh, I believe they were the top ACC finisher. Yeah, they sent 10 yeah, they guys. Were. We sent eight, and they yeah. still finished 10. Still finished below. So, and so we got to give a shout-out to Bryce Andonian. Bryce Andonian is very close to advancing to the national championship. He, I believe he tried to get a pin at the very last second. If he had just, 10 more seconds. If he, he, didn't, he just ran out of time. Um, it was so funny because he was wrestling somebody. I don't remember where he's from, and I think the guy's last name was Gomez. And they had wrestled before through the through the upper bracket. And Bryce Andonian has a reputation of being just a just a wild wrestler, a lot of fun to watch, unconventional. He has that look about him. So, <laughs> so he and, he and Gomez, if I'm getting the name correctly, he and Gomez had gone at it. Then they had to wrestle each other again down in the in the uh, wrestle back bracket, the consolation bracket. Yeah. And and I watched that, and Rock Harrison was doing the commentary, and he's like, I can't take this again. I can't take another one of these of these two guys. Rock is so funny. But he's just, my heart's pounding. Just, and this, this was at the very beginning when they started wrestling. Um, but seated 11th and finished third. Excellent. Yes, and again, very close to moving on to the, the championship bout. Uh, and Corbin Myers, also an All-American for the second time, I believe, uh, as he finished sixth uh i want to say up in yes Detroit. i think you're right so three all americans for the Hokies, another successful season and i've been seeing all the recruits that coach roby's been bringing in it seems like the wrestling program still trending upwards could see maybe a top five finish coming up in the next few years well uh you know the the, the i have to 
get over on the wrestling board and kind of break down by weight class. Because yeah. from what I understand, Latona will not stay at 125. He'll go up to 133. I think they have a 125 guy coming up. They got a recruit named TJ Stewart, who uh, I think uh, Jack Brizendine wrote that yes. he will um, come in to replace Bolin at 184, I think is the weight class. But no, Stewart's apparently kind of going to come in at 197. So I don't know how everybody coming back and everybody that they redshirted is going to fit. Um, I would like to see them. I love that they beat NC State at, at Nationals, but I'd like to see them crack that nut in the duel and in the ACC championships because NC State has pulled ahead in those areas. Yeah, Virginia Tech, the forfeit cost them the regular season dual meet title and then came up short in the championship yeah. of the ACC finishing second. Um now we have some happy stuff to talk about. We got through re- wrestling, obviously, a good weekend, uh, but the heartbreak of Makai Lewis coming up just short of his second national title. But this is truly happy. Softball, top five in the country, 9-0 and now in the ACC, their best start in program history. They swept North Carolina this weekend, two run rule victories, and they outscored them a combined 27-6, to six, I believe, was yes. the final tally. Oh, always fun to blow out North Carolina. Oh, no, any man. Just, just beat them in any sport. <laughs> and Keely Rochard obviously doing what she does. She went five shutout innings with 12 strikeouts on Friday. I thought it was interesting yesterday. I was on the call uh, for the ACC Network Extra, and we were talking about it a lot. Keely, there was a lot of wind yesterday blowing straight out, mm-hmm. and she almost – completely went away from her rise ball, which is her usual strikeout pitch. She only struck out six batters, I want to say, in five innings, uh, but, but kept, was still kept it on the ground. Still was effective enough, only gave up one run, and it was really a manufactured run from UNC, bunted somebody over, a sack fly brought them in. Right. Uh, well, she, she showed that she can do it in different ways. But smart pitching then, because you, know, you do have to make adjustments sometimes weather-related. Yeah, it was really windy this weekend. Yeah, it was it was very windy this weekend, and 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 I've always said this for baseball, but considering how the parks are configured, it's the same thing for softball. Yes. That wind's always blowing out <laughs> for, to like left center. Yes, and, uh, yeah, the the two fields point the same way. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So the ball will fly, especially this time of the year when the wind seems to be blowing. It's not blowing today, but this is like the only only day it hasn't been blowing <laughs> this week. Um, so yeah, that's that's impressive to uh, to show that you know. Obviously, she's a great pitcher, but that she can just change her style like that from one day to the next, uh, based on you know whatever factors she's facing. That's extremely impressive. And and now I guess we'll probably find I guess the new rankings come out today. Yes. And Tech is what they were fifth slash sixth. fifth in the yeah. There there are four different yeah. softball right. rankings. They were anywhere from fifth to seventh. I want to say right. We were saying fifth on the broadcast yesterday because that was the ESPN ranking. Um, Right, so, and now let's talk about the crowd. I don't know what the crowd was crowd for was Friday great or on Sunday. Saturday. I know on Saturday it was great because I walked by it, leaving the open football practice, and there were still it was already good, and people were still streaming in. The game had just started. I, I think they listed attendance as eight hundred and fifty. Right, and right. I was there, and and there were a few seats here and there, but it was pretty full. Yeah, um, and well, it was overflow if you think about it, because people yeah. were watching the game from beyond the. Yes. Left hill wall and up on that hill and things like that. Yeah. Um, so we got a, we got a question on the Q and A this past weekend, um, and I didn't answer it, but I'll answer it now. Basically, the question was, "What's it going to take to upgrade the softball stadium?" And I'm like, "What's it going to take? It's going to take improved attendance, because Tech's first home game or whatever there was only like 
what, 350 people there right. or something Half like that. Right. So unless you get a big donor to come in and just do it out of the goodness of his heart, like the school, is, I'm not saying they shouldn't or they, or, or, or they wouldn't or, or anything like that, but like it, it you, you, you run, you run the financial models in your head and you have a limited amount of money you can spend. Do you put it, it into one of your revenue sports or do you put it in, into, into the softball program yeah. that, doesn't generate a profit and where people still aren't showing up well attendance is free you just walk right you, you, in. yeah you just you just walk right in right yeah so uh it was good to know if you want that stadium to get expanded hope for more or, or not just not not necessarily expanded but improved right um you know just to make the overall experience better the more crowds like virginia tech has on saturday the more likely that is to happen and they got a good game on Saturday, too. That was the really only competitive game of the series. UNC got up 3-1? Yeah, they went up 3 nothing in the top of the first. Uh, Emma Lemley just left one up uh, to their four-hitter over the left field fence for a three-run homer. Co- Coach Demore, we talked to him in the third or fourth inning, and he just said she wasn't ready to pitch. Um, but she bounced back four shutout innings after that. Um, oh, at one point, I think in the fifth inning, she only threw 11 pitches. Yes, yeah. yes. She rolled right through second Second, third, fourth, fifth. Then she gave up another home run in the fifth, and that's when Coach Demore said, "All right, Keely, shut this down for us." Uh, right. She came back in through an inning and two thirds to finish it off. And then Keely on Sunday only threw something like seventy some pitches. You know? No, it, was, it wasn't a ton. She it, she it, almost it, threw fifty on Saturday in just those two innings of work. Really? Um, so Keely Keely tends to throw a fair fairly high number of, of pitches and. And it's not we've talked about. It's not like baseball where your pitch count's a huge thing. Uh, uh, to me, it's an indicator of, of how dominant is a pitcher being. How if they have to throw twenty to twenty five pitches to get out of an inning, that shows you they're having to work. If they're getting out of an inning on eleven pitches, yes. they're they're really in their groove. So you know how Super Seventy Sports they have their plan tweets, and they'll kind of do the same tweet once every like five months or something like that. So yesterday they had their their Greg Maddox tweet mm-hmm. where they were like. Where he's like, Greg Maddox once pitched a complete game shutout in seventy six pitches. These days, pitchers call that a solid four innings. <laughs> yeah. So that that's like it's like Keely if she if she can work a game where that she had like a Greg Maddox that is eight pitches and, in inning. Yeah, it's insane. That's, that's insane. That's nuts. Yeah. Well, and Keely was great this weekend, but Lemley too. Outside of the two home runs she gave up, and that's really what Tech softball has been missing the last few years is that compliment to Keely Rochard where. You win the first game of the Super Regionals, and you have an answer the next day to come right in at. and try and win it the next day. I think Lemley could be that. And only a freshman, she, she's kind of Keeley Jr., does a lot of the same things uh, and just starting to fine-tune a lot of it right now, too. So what was the score of that game on Saturday? 8-5. to 8-5. So Tech is starting to hit the ball better now, too. Yes. yes. They, were, they, they were not really hitting earlier th- this season. But no. now, now, now their uh, bats are starting to warm up. Yeah, I did, and, I did some. Bree, Bree Peck in particular is heating up. Yes, uh, we talked a lot about Bree Peck this weekend. She had two home runs and four extra base hits last weekend against Syracuse. This weekend, she had a home run and a double on Saturday. And I'm forgetting what she did Sunday. But, uh, well, she got hit and walked on Sunday. But uh, the freshman, Lemley and Peck coming in as freshmen and making an immediate impact like this, that's huge uh, yeah. for this program. And it's, it's actually it was tough to come in and make an immediate impact this year because Tech had so many good players coming back. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's... Which that, shows that the that as, what, as good as Tech was last year, this is a better team this year. There's more depth. And their lineup, 
outside their defensive lineup is pretty much set. Everybody who plays in the field plays almost every day, but it's the the DP spot, the designated player that they rotate. And it's funny, there's five or six options for Coach Demore there that all hit the ball well, uh, but you want to rotate them in, get everybody at bats. There's just nobody who stepped up there quite yet. Is Peck playing in the field? Yes, she plays third, third base. base. Did she displace somebody? Or did they have a player leave? So after Kelsey last? Bennett was at third previously. Now she's at shortstop. Right. Um, I want to say Emma Ritter might have been at short. No, Emma Ritter's been in Hokey right Chips the whole time. in the chat. So Hokey <laughs> Chips. <Hokey Chip. laughs> I'm forgetting who played shortstop yeah. last year. Uh, send Chip. <laughs> um, but it was right now. Peck went to third. Bennett shifted over to shortstop. Is what I've gathered from there. Okay. Um, yesterday. It was Alexa Milius who played in the DP. She went three for three with four RBIs Man, uh, and a home run, yeah. and she had that walk off in the fifth to finish it off. So, so let's so let's talk about the ACC standings. Virginia Tech is nine and zero and first. Yep, and that includes uh, sweeps of Clemson. UNC, Syracuse, eh, middling programs, and a sweep of Clemson. Ranked team, um, and Duke is second at eight and one. And for some reason, it just aggravates me that Duke has a good softball program. They're number eight in the country. Uh, yeah. But they, they still have to play. Who do they play? Duke well, does not play. They, they played Tech Clemson this play past Duke. weekend. Deck, yeah. Duke does not play Tech or Florida State this I year, know. I think. Yes. And, and Tech's got to go to Tallahassee. Yeah. April and 8th through the 10th. So one of the things you wanted to happen was you wanted Clemson to beat Duke this past weekend, and Duke won two out of the three. So that's why Duke is eight and one. Virginia's five and one. Wow! Apparently, they have a pulse. Well, they couldn't get any worse. <laughs> and well, they, and yeah. they, they are playing Virginia Tech the spring game weekend. Yes, yeah. I I'm think tr- in Blacksburg. I'm calling two of those games that weekend, and I was thinking, man, so those will be nice hour and a half long games. <laughs> five <laughs> five innings. innings. Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe, Maybe not. not. Maybe Virginia. I don't know. Let, let's remember that Virginia has only scored one run against Virginia Tech in what the last three years, <laughs> something <laughs> like that. <laughs> <laughs> they um, still have a ways to go. And and so the the team that just I mean Clemson's one and five in the conference. They they got swept by Tech and they were one and two against. <laughs> They've gotten unlucky their schedule so far. Well, they got lucky last year with their schedule. So what goes That's around true. comes around. Um, well, that, yeah, for for Virginia Tech, it's it's uh, you know let's assume the rest of the season the, the rest of the season proceeds this way. It's all about what happens when they go down to Tallahassee. Where, yep. where, where is Florida State in the standings? They, they are seven and two. Okay. Um, I think they are second or third in the country. They're second. I, they yeah. just beat Alabama this oh, wow. past weekend. Okay. Yeah. Uh, who Tech lost to twice earlier in the year. Now in the ACC, they lost a game to Boston College. So that, that's BC one of those. is uh, high up too. I thought no. Then my thing about lacrosse. Yeah, so such <laughs> lacrosse. So Florida State has lost games to uh, BC and Pitt. You know, not interesting. Yeah, so maybe and Alabama is in favor. Lost well, to Kentucky over and, the weekend too. So really, Alabama will drop. This is this is what I hate about big conferences is the unbalanced, unbalanced schedule factor. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's it's why. It's why like the NCAA tournament selection process for basketball is how it. It's how it has to be because you have to look at analytics and things like that because teams don't play the same schedule in conference. So, like, the fact that Notre Dame finished second in the ACC, like, they also had the easiest in-conference schedule of all ACC teams. So you have to take that with a grain of salt. Yeah. Um, so, like, you can't even, like, really rely on, oh, here's where a team finished in the conference. You can't even rely on that anymore because the conference schedules themselves are so different. It's It's – so so let's it really see, bothers me. Let's see who Duke's got. Well, they got to travel to Notre Dame, which is a pretty decent program. 
Then they got BC at Virginia at Syracuse Pittsburgh. So Duke really doesn't have a tough series no. the rest of the way. Whereas Virginia Tech has to go to Tallahassee. Yeah, and that's coming up second weekend in April. Uh, Hokies are now on the road again, so it feels like they just got back for their home opener. And no. They pay, they played seven straight at home. You, you should, yeah. don't worry about that because it, it will it will determine ACC tournament seedings, of course, for some. Yeah. Yes, it's gonna it's not going to matter when it comes to NCAA selection. Yeah, yeah, and Tech right because, now because NCAA selection is going to look at RPI. And overall wins and, and, and number quali- one in the number RPI. one in the RPI. So Tech could be the number two seed in the ACC tournament and still still host and and host a super regional or something like that in in, in the NCAA tournament because it's like it's like I was just talking about the NCAA is not going to look. I at- just don't want Duke to win the regular season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. By the way, uh, the sweep of Carolina. This blew me away when I read this on the softball board last night. Carolina Tech had gone six and sixteen against Carolina. In their last 22 games. Tech had never won a home series against North Carolina until yeah. this weekend. Now, they hadn't played them since 2019. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, Hokies, again, they went 7-0 and on their homestand this yeah. this past week. Uh, and now they don't come back again until they play Virginia April 14th. Wow. So, uh, going to be a long time until Tech Softball Park is filled again. But Hokies, I want to say, play Longwood. Uh, Pitt, UCF, Florida State, all on the road coming up before coming home. So, uh, lots of lots of decent teams in there. That means they'll get a lot of home games when the weather turns really good. Not that it's bad; it's actually it's good weather. It's going to be good weather this week for the most part. But still, like you would expect, yeah, by mid-April, <laughs> all, all the weekends will be good. Here's hopefully. one to watch. Tuesday, April twelfth at Liberty. At Liberty, I am sick of losing to Liberty. We need a five-run game in that. Pete Demore has to end the curse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's look on the other diamond uh, again. First, I want to mention softball. Twenty-one and three on the season. Two of those losses to a top-five team in Alabama. Nine and zero in ACC play. Number one in the RPI. Uh, looking like they could make a bid for the Women's College World Series this year. Let's check on baseball. They lost five straight, but it bounced back in a big way over the last two days, uh, winning the last two against Pitt to take their first ACC series. I believe. I'm, I'm between 21 and 22. I want to say Tech scored 22 runs on Saturday. They did. They just speaking of the ball flying and the wind blowing out. <laughs> um, like you said, the wind was blowing out on Saturday. And how many homers did Tech hit on Saturday? Like five, six, six, something like that. It was a lot. The hammer was used. The hammer 20. was out early yeah, and often. Yeah. Um, Twenty-two to six, I think that game right. was. So, so Virginia Tech, like they lost Friday's game because you know their bullpen gave up a couple of yep. late, late homers, and that's. That's typical for Tech baseball throughout the years. Is when Tech is a really good team, it's because they have really good pitching depth. The hitting is generally always there. Even the starting pitching is generally good enough. Yep, Griffin um, Green was great on Friday. Right, right, right. So, uh, but generally, when they have issues, they don't have the pitching depth. Well, you know, they didn't exactly leave it in the bullpen's hands for when you score twenty-two. Your bullpen's <laughs> not going to blow it, right. right? And and you know, to their credit, the bullpen was really good yesterday in Sunday's yep. game, which was a seven-to-one win. So. And I do like I don't think Tech has like a like a dominant ceiling in baseball or anything like that. But they got but I think they should be better than Pitt. So it's good to see them take two out of three from Pitt. And Jack Hurley, we mentioned him on the podcast a few weeks ago. He might be the hottest hitter in baseball right now. Seventeen game hitting streak. Uh, may, might be eighteen now. 
and he went three for five on Saturday with two more home runs. Wow. Uh, hitting yeah. in the five spot. He has been unbelievable this season. He's one of the guys that uh, when I went to see them play Florida State last year, I sat at one of those tables down the, down the first baseline. So you got a really good view of the action. And he hit a home run in that game to dead center and it bounced off the batter's eye. And the ball just really flew flew off his bat, man. That thing was out of there in a hurry. In a hurry. And I'm not a baseball scout or anything like that. But, uh, you know, a year from now, he's probprobably going to have a decision to make. 17-game <laughs> hit, hit hitting streak. Uh, he was hitting a cool 475 heading into the season. <laughs> wow. Uh, or heading into the heading series. The series. And then a, a couple more hits this weekend as well. I want to say five or six hits this weekend. Yeah, he's 486 on the season oh now. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> just, yeah. just under 500. That's all right. <laughs> Maybe he'll get there. Of course, some of these guys are, are going to hammer the lower-level competition that you face, but they've now played two ACC series. Georgia he's hit Tech's the ball well against Georgia ACC Tech, yeah. And Georgia Tech, two walk-offs in that series. They went the wrong way for I know, Tech. I know, it, yeah. They they could easily be three and three, four and two in ACC play, but two and four. They've got Notre Dame coming up this weekend on the road. Um, I know Evan Hughes. He, we were talking if they'd gone to the Sweet Sixteen, there was a chance I might go up there with yeah. them. Uh, a two day bus trip that they're taking starting really? on Wednesday, driving to South Bend. The, okay, so really that, a bus trip. Okay, so here's a little here's a little <laughs> trivia. That, don't let that get out. Here's a little <laughs> trivia that you don't know about Tech baseball or back when Tech was in the Metro. Back back in the eighties, yeah. Um, you know, Tulane was in the Metro. Southern Miss was in the Metro. These are long Tech, trips. Tech would take a Tech would bus to New Orleans, play a three game series against Tulane, and then on the way back, stop by Southern Miss and play, play them, and then come back to Blacksburg. Yeah, and I wonder if there were years where they threw Tallahassee in there as well. Who knows? And, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so. I, I can't even imagine. Can you imagine? And they play Radford. Tomorrow, I yeah. believe, in the midweek. The Sharkies so, Classic. Yes, there you go. <laughs> wow. You love that. I he, love saying that. <laughs> I, was call, I was calling the lacrosse game between Tech and Radford a few weeks ago, and he asked me to say that on the air. I said, I think I'm going to pass, Nick, uh, but but we can say it here. Yes, the Sharkies Classic tomorrow uh, between Tech and <laughs> Yeah, that's and free advertising. You can't do that. Baseball, again, two and four in the ACC, uh, and yes, head back on the road this week for Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. So what? So what question did we have for Chip Nick that uh, that we were hoping he would? Yeah, chime uh, in? Uh, oh, it was Peck just took over third base this season, and then uh, Fagan moved to second. Okay, so Fagan was at shortstop. I was thinking that might have been it. So Fagan moves from short to second. And I want to say Overrightus was at second in the past or something like that. We'll yeah. we'll figure it out at some point. Um, speaking of Nick, what questions do we have in the YouTube chat today? Uh, the most important one right now is by Eric Fisher. Is there any chance Will Stewart's song lyric trivia comes back? Hmm. That is, that's listening back for a while right there. I, I have to, uh, um, I have to make it more accessible. <laughs> um, it was very obscure back when I used to do the song lyric stuff. I remember so, that. Yeah, it, it was obscure. Um, Although I don't know, I did one song one time that I thought young people should get, and they didn't get it. But now that we have more viewers, I should try it. And uh, actually, when we were doing that, I think we were we were pretty much an audio only podcast, or we were doing some streaming yeah. live on Facebook. Uh, so, all right, good question. I'll think about it. Maybe maybe next week. We'll see. Maybe put money on it. And then uh, not many other questions. Uh, you guys answered again most of them. Uh, but Chris, you went to the open practice. Yep. What was your biggest takeaway? 
oh, besides it being cool that it well, was well, there. Well, most of the time you're sitting there. There's so many new numbers and new faces and things like that. <laughs> who's that? Half the practice, you're just scrolling through your phone to figure out who's that, who's that, who's that. Who's that? <laughs> yeah. So so you want to watch Dwayne Lofton take a rep, but you're trying to figure out oh, who's number two. And when you watch, when you finally figure out who number two is, you miss Dwayne Lofton's rep, mm-hmm. who's next in line. You, you know, so uh, it's really hard to get an assessment because you're just so used to fig- you, you. You just got to sit there and figure out who all the new players are. Um, the things that stood out to me, like Chamari is playing safety spot. At first, I, I thought he was spending most of his time at boundary safety, but apparently, what they're doing is just doing left-handed safety and right right side safety right now so everybody can get used to playing two different roles and then the coaches can evaluate which guys are fits for what position uh that sam linebacker spot the number one spot right now is jordan mcdonald the number two spot right now is Jaden mcdonald <laughs> and one of them wears number 38 and the other wears number 39 salem boys yes they're, they're kind of hard to tell apart out there <laughs> but they they look the part at, at that position um breon murray's in a nickel role this year uh, which I think is more suitable to his skill set. When Virginia Tech recruited him out of JUCO, he was more of a safety type. And he was actually named uh, – they're, they're doing a, a player of the, the day, day, player of each practice. Yeah. And he was he was he he got that award for the first practice on Friday for his role in, in the nickel. So I think that's a good sign. Now, now the nickel is only going to be on the, role, on the field for, you know, 150, 200 snaps a year because Virginia Tech's primary – formation these days is going to be a three linebacker system yeah but it's important they do have an effective nickel in that role um jesse hansen was at left guard that was the only question mark on the starting offensive line is, is who was going to be yeah, and that's at, where jesse he lined up with the starting offensive right line. right so you got janzy at left tackle you've got jesse hansen at left guard johnny, johnny jordan, jordan at center, center uh caden moore at right guard and parker clements at right tackle right um they mixed up the quarterback reps some. There's a uh, lot of quarterbacks out there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Six, no, I, I believe. Yeah. I will say, for number one, is like Tech's arm talent is, is much better this year. I mean, Jason Brown can throw the ball down the field. Grant Wells can really throw He the did ball. not disappoint. Yeah. Pretty I mean, well. that, that guy's got a lot of arm talent. Um, and, like, you, you look what we had last year. I, I When I saw Braxton in the preseason last year, I thought he threw it fine, but then he got hurt. But, like, Katum is a – FCS level player, and he was our number two quarterback last year, and, and that's where he transferred out to, right? It was, this year, our this year our walk on has a better arm than Knox Cave. Okay, so our our overall arm talent in that room is just so much so much improved man. this year. Um, Grant Wells in the team portion of the practice, which didn't last very long, but their eleven on eleven portion of the practice, uh, Wells was the first quarterback out there. Okay, um, but. I, I, I just I'm happy to see just more overall arm talent within the program. And, and, and what so what's your take on Taj Bullock? He got a lot of reps. Uh, yeah, he looked okay out to about 15 or 20 yards. There were there were one or two throws where you're like, wow. He's just he's just behind the more experienced players. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you've you've got Jason Brown who started at I forget what FCS school he started at. Was it St. Francis or? St. Peter's, Peacocks, uh, I, don't, I don't know, one Saint of those Francis. Saints. And then, you know, transferred to South Carolina where he started four games for them last year. Yeah. So you're talking about a very experienced player at the college level. Um, not not so much at the Power 5 level, but just overall, the guy's a fifth-year senior or sixth-year. I don't. I guess he's, I guess sixth-year since he's got the COVID yeah. year and everything. Uh, Grant Wells, 
even though he's technically only a redshirt sophomore, the guy's already started two years at Marshall. So to expect Taj Bullock to be in the same realm as those yeah. guys right now yeah. is unfair. Yeah. And, and we were sitting with a guy who's watched Bullock closely and said that his throwing motion is much improved. Right. Um, right. Yeah. And uh, Devin Farrell, what's your take on Devin? Uh, Farrell? you know the, they didn't. He didn't get any reps within the team portions okay. and yeah. things like that because there's just he's not going to start this year as a true freshman. So you want to get the guys reps. You, you want you want him to progress from a technical standpoint. It's, it's it, like. Going out there and showing that he can play 11-on-11 11 11 football right now doesn't really matter because yeah, you're yeah. not going to need him during the season. Yeah. He's going to redshirt, thank God. But uh, I, I thought, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> boom, uh, put it up. Um, I, I, and I also didn't see him throw the ball down the field. Like I said, you're, you're busy. You're trying to watch everything during practice. And, oh. and, so, and but, you got people around you talking to, to you. you. Exactly. Like, like honestly, like – Whenever I've gone to scrimmages back in way back in the day when when tech opened scrimmages and things like that, I would always get more out of them when I sat by myself because now, nobody now talks to me. I can just watch. I remember um, going to watch scrimmages. Depends, with depends, you. On, depends on who you're watching it with. Yeah. Well, we'd go watch scrimmages and I'd sit there and run my mouth and chat. And right. I was amazed at the stuff you observed right. with all those people around us running their mouths. Right, right. Um, that so, sounds bad. Uh, <laughs> I know. It's because half those people right, are watching right. them. Man. These are my but friends. The, I no, like them. But the thing is, like, but at the same time, if you watch it with the right people, uh, you'll pick up on more things. Yeah. We did watch it with the right people yeah. on Saturday yeah. who, who could make observations just like we could. Um, Overall, though, I mean, they're not in pads. They weren't in pads. So you can't tell anything about, oh, this running back's better than those running backs. Uh, they did get Jordan Brunson and Jalen Hampton back, and they were not on the team that this past fall for certain reasons that some people have probably figured out by now. And But uh, Brunson is a big boy, <laughs> and really big boy. Uh, and I heard he was – they liked what they saw out of him last year two years ago i don't remember i guess 20, it runs together 2020 season when he was not playing when he was red shirting all right in the season that doesn't count right yes um so i don't even know what year he would be i guess red shirt freshman red shirt freshman, freshman, freshman I guess. really I wow I don't, I don't know two years uh, in he's yeah red freshman. <laughs> yeah that's right that's right uh, i guess he would be a red shirt freshman um, got, got my first look at bryce duke in person well, bryce there duke looked go. like a football player if you just, just look at his picture he's got the neck and everything. And they always talk about him. Like, the coaches always talk about him. So I think he's going to play this year. Although, we'll see. When they get in pads, you're going to find out exactly how good some of those freshmen are. Um, Will's going to have binoculars on only Bryce Duke in the spring I did game. not what, see anything to what, make me think he's not going to play this year. What's he do? What's, <laughs> the way what's, Bryce Duke sits on the sideline. <laughs> we, should, we should have a Bryce Duke cam. And, like, yeah, Zion, Zion, Zion. Zion. <laughs> did you see the way he turned his head and talked to his teammate? That's a big-time player. Look at him. He just, he just chatted with the offensive coordinator. He's locked in. Locked in. <laughs> really cool to get an, an open practice this early uh, in the spring, though. And then spring oh. game coming up. April 16th. Yep. Yeah, we'll see if Brent Pry has a voice then because he <laughs> he tried to talk to the crowd for like 15 or 20 seconds on Saturday. He got about two sentences out and his voice was cracking and he just stopped. He, he was clean shaven too. Clean shaven Brent Pry. Yeah, it took us a while to find him out there on the field. <laughs> yeah, because like, we're, we're look, ashamed to admit. Looking for the yeah. beard. <laughs> yep. I was confused. I, I completely forgot that there was the open practice on Saturday. So I'm pulling up to the softball field trying to park. Uh -huh. What's that noise? At like that 11.45. I'm like, why is there no parking spots at noon on a Saturday? Right. Yeah. Completely forgot. Yeah. So oh, and I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I'm oh, sorry, Nick. What's no, up? just saying it was just a wild weekend. Cause yeah. I was yeah. at lacrosse too. And 
you could hear ba- baseball music, you could hear lacrosse music, you hear mm. softball music and football music. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what's happening? Wow. I, I will say this. Um, I think Tech is going to be like a better arm talent in the quarterback room. I think the offensive line will be fi- fine. We know the tight ends will be good. Um, I I was not impressed with the wide receivers on Saturday. They did not have a good day. Um, that that that's a room that's really going that that's going to need some work. That's going to take a while. I thought yeah. Jalen Jones looks the, looked the part, but there were too many balls on the ground. Uh, just not enough clean releases at the line of scrimmage and things like that. Um, I think Tech's quarterbacks will be good enough. Um, I just hope their targets are good enough. Uh, and so the other important thing we need to cover is the music that was played over the uh, speakers. Uh-huh. It was different. I, I would like. I would also. You know, there was some. All, it was a mix. There was some, some Allman brothers, brothers in there, in there for of course, because that's no, who Coach Pry likes. No, I want to point something out. Uh, so I went to last week. I went to the welcome back thing at the Han Hurst facility for. Uh, for, for the, the basketball team. When, they, when right? they came back from so the I, ACC tournament. I, I briefly talked to a uh, Virginia Tech official who works in the athletic department while I was out there, and this is a guy who knows all of these numbers. And he said whenever Virginia Tech wins a football game or a basketball game, they never get any emails about people complaining about music, concessions, anything. Whenever Virginia Tech loses a football game, it's always immediately after a loss where all those emails come in. <laughs> I hate the music that you play. On third down, I, I you need to get better concessions. Your bathroom lines are too long. But when Virginia Tech wins a game, they never get any complaints at all about any of that stuff. Uh, the only thing I can't stand is when they're losing a the game and they put the camera on the crowd and people are like, "Woo!" And I'm yeah, like, that's you're true. losing by three touchdowns. <laughs> they do the the we're number one. Stand up and shout. It's like, all right, well, it's thirty-one to ten. So. <laughs> well, hopefully, those moments are in the past. Yes, indeed. yes, we hope so. All right, well, that was a good conversation coming out of the YouTube chat. Thank you, Nick, for, for getting that for us. Uh, I think that about wraps things up. Uh, Chris, uh, finally, no football, no basketball. What's coming up on Tech Sideline? I guess I need to write something about uh, – I don't know. I, I kind of like – I feel <laughs> like I've, I've said everything I possibly could about basketball. Maybe I'll find something else. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. But I, I'll have to write something about football, I think, about depth chart notes and what – position players were playing Uh, i'll probably write that for tomorrow uh brandon patterson sent an article last week which i'll run this afternoon from there so what about uh, a look at each position group on the football yeah yeah i think that's something you're gonna do throughout the course of the spring yeah 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 Yeah, spring practice getting rolling also chip grubb writing about softball chris hirons about baseball Uh, it is now officially spring sports season uh in blacksburg i think a lot of attention will be turned to the softball team now I think so too um, because that that's a that's a highly ranked team and one that's just killing it. And again, ranked wherever you look, they're ranked in the top eight. Eight teams make the women's college world series, so yeah. a chance for them possibly to be hosting a super regional this yeah. year instead of having to go, I don't know, to UCLA uh, and play yeah. against the number two team in the country. Yep. Well, I think that's going to wrap things up here on episode 230 of the Tech Sideline podcast. We hit about everything in Virginia Tech athletics that you could possibly imagine. Both basketball teams, wrestling, softball, baseball, and then spring football at the end. 
Uh, it was a good episode, despite maybe not the happiest subject matter uh, today on episode 230. Want to thank everybody on set. Will Stewart, founder and general manager of TechSideline.com. Find him at Will Stewart TSL on Twitter. Chris Coleman, lead analyst and columnist for Tech Sideline at Chris Coleman TSL on Twitter. Nick Brown in the fourth chair. Did a great job once again today at Nick Brown 33 on Twitter. Malcolm Stewart behind the scenes always does a phenomenal job as our producer. And I'm Jake Lyman, your host, signing off here on episode 230 of the Tech Sideline podcast. Enjoy your week, Hokies fans. We'll see you next time.